Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jamie Baines. Today's guest is Austin Darnell, a homicide detective with the Richmond Police Department. Darnell and I worked on separate homicide teams. Then I became his acting supervisor while his sergeant was having some shoulder surgery. As you'll be able to tell in the interview, Darnell is irreverent, but smart as hell, and funny as, well, you know. Take a listen to our interview and let me know what you think. And welcome back to the podcast. Today we're talking to Austin Darnell, a.k.a. Darnell. How are you, Darnell? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Jamie? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, give us some background on yourself. You're a Richmond police detective now, currently, correct? Yeah, well, let me, um, real quick, I do want to apologize to you. Jamie, he's been he's been trying to have me on the show uh, <laughs> since it started. I think he wanted me to be the the first guest, and I was a little busy that day. I, I did. I was on... Um, I think I was with Joe Rogan. I don't know if you listen to his podcast, but um, <laughs> that guy's a hack. Yeah. Anyways, a total um, hack. Yeah. So I mean, what, so what do we do here? You have a bunch of cops on here, and they all say the same thing. I was in patrol for three years. Moved here. Moved there. Um, yeah. Sure. I did that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I started in 2007. Um, did patrol for a little while. Um, did a couple specialized assignments went to our fmt unit which is like a street crimes unit kicking in doors did that for about five years and then i transferred to major crimes where i did um sex crimes and aggravated assault for about two and a half years and moved to homicide and i've been there since and so how long you been in homicide uh coming up on let's see three years on three and what do you think of it you know i love it i really do i feel like um I don't mean to sound corny or cliche, but I feel like it was my calling. Yeah, how so? Um, well, when I was um, when I was in high school, um, the girl that I dated, um, her grandfather was Norman Harding, and if um, if you don't know who Norman Harding is, I implore you to do some research. He was the Richmond detective that actually worked the Riley brothers murders. Oh, no and kidding. So he, yep. So he was the one that caught the serial killers in Richmond. And so when I was in high school, he would sit there with me. He was of course already retired by then, but he would sit there with me and show me all the case files and go through, you know, all the steps of the investigations and everything they did. And from that moment on, you know, I just knew that I was, I was going to be a homicide detective. So you went into the Richmond Police Department knowing that that's what you wanted. That was your end goal? Absolutely. Now, did you grow up in Richmond? Uh, Ch- Chesterfield area for the most part. I was born in Chicago, um, lived in the Detroit area for a little bit, and then came to came to Richmond when I was about 11. Okay. And so where do you, do you want to continue to be in homicide? Are you looking to get promoted, or what are your plans? No, I, I'd want to continue to be in homicide. I got about five years left till I'm eligible for retirement. And, um, that's what I plan on doing. The, the, the supervisory role just isn't for me, but, um, I don't know if you've told your listeners this, but you were a supervisor for a little bit. <laughs> I, I was, and I actually supervised yeah, I, you. You, you only supervised in your entire career. Correct me if I'm wrong. You only supervised four people. Uh, that's right. And that was four too many people for me. So it was me. <laughs> that was uh, the mo- yeah. that was the one big <laughs> that was one big issue. I said, you know what? After uh, supervising Darnell, I think it's time for me to <laughs> pull the plug. Well, there's some other people in there. Me, uh, Amira Sleem, 
who's my partner now, yeah. Kevin Hughes. He's on my team now. And um, there was another guy on there. I think you just had him on your podcast, Joe Foltz. I'm not sure if it was the same one because he didn't give me a shout out or anything like that. <laughs> that Joe, so, man. I don't know if it's the same one. So it might I'm not, not gonna be. Say I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'll probably never speak to him again for the rest of my life. It sounds but, like you're um, holding just a little bit, just a smidge of a grudge. No, no, it, it'll be fine. My my uh, my agent told me not to talk to him. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So look, Darnell. So uh, last year, Richmond during the um, the unrest, the riots, were you involved in that in any way? Did you have to go get in uniform, get involved in that? You know, I didn't. Ha- I, I did have to get in uniform and. The only thing I really did was security at headquarters. So I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I was right in the mix or take away credit from the people that actually were on the front lines. All I did was get in uniform and guard headquarters, which was, you know, fairly easy. <laughs> and what did you think of it going on last year? Would you Could you see it coming after the uh, George oh, Floyd got killed? Oh, yeah. The writing was on the wall. You know, there was a lot of things that between all the politics going on and law enforcement, there was just, you knew something bad was going to happen soon. Did you expect we it still, to? We still, have, we still haven't recovered from it. Yeah. How so? Um, well, just in Richmond, um, you know, our, our relationship with the communities, you can tell they still aren't, they still aren't mended and people still hold grudges. People don't, like the police the way they used to. And I'm not saying I was an old school cop, but even in 2007, 2008, you just, it was a different respect people had for the police. And now that's all gone. And, um, you know, unfortunately when you don't have respect for the authorities and the authorities also have to respect the communities they work in. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that's how it works. And unfortunately when you don't have either one of those, it just doesn't work. And I think our, our number in violence, you know, and murders and shootings, and I think all of that is starting to show right now. When you started, what precinct did you work in? Fourth precinct. And and you stayed in that while you were in uniform, right? Because you said you went to FMT. Is that, weren't you in part of the uh, in the Gilpin Community Unit? Yeah. So, um, sorry if you hear some planes. I'm at LAX waiting for a flight right now. But, <laughs> I know um, you are. I know you are with your cigar. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I was in fourth fourth precinct um which is you know it's a we we do downtown um carver vcu area north side gilpin court um the chamberlain corridor scott's edition but yeah most of my time was spent in um gilpin court and i was in a specialized unit there where it was just um three officers and you know it's an aggressive unit where a lot of jumping out on people a lot of chasing people and um, from there, I went to FMT. Now, did you get, um, you talked about respect back and forth. Did you guys get respect when you were in the jump out unit? Oh, absolutely. And how, how did you, how did you earn and keep that respect? You know, that's, that's a good question because I don't, I don't quite know if the, um, the way we earned the respect was just from, you know, arresting people in a respectful manner or just treating people with dignity that people deserve, you know, just because people are, breaking the law or selling drugs or whatever doesn't mean you don't need to treat them like they're garbage. And I think that's probably um, the main reason of us is just treating people with dignity. 
And Sorry did, if you can hear my dog. That's all right. And did they return that respect to you? So, I mean, they understood. I mean, un, <laughs> that's, under, that's cash money. Cash money. Yeah. <laughs> Understandably, some of the people you arrested didn't want to get arrested. Um, well, sure. And I would assume they would run from you. Did they ever really fight with you guys, or would they mainly fight to get away? Like, did everybody throw punches at you or anything like that? Or was it mainly, again, just trying to get away from your grip? I think mostly um, it's just fighting to get away. But you have an occasion where, you know, people want to fight you. And, uh, you know, it goes from fighting to get away from fighting to, uh, you know, I'm not going back to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's just fighting to get away. And did you guys get support from the Gilpin Court community when you arrested people within the community for the most part? Oh, absolutely. And why? So why, why? A lot of people think that, you know, you go in the communities and you arrest somebody and the, the other people living there are all pissed off and mad. But that's not necessarily the case, is it? No, no. I mean, there's just like any other neighborhood, there's there's a lot of really good people that live in Gilpin. And they don't, you know, they're there for financial situations that, um, you know, that's their business. But they're there for certain reasons and they have to deal with people that, mainly don't even live there and mm-hmm. come to the area and just create chaos. And now currently, after what happened last year, have you talked to, is that, is that Gilpin court unit still in existence? You know, Jamie, at this point, I don't even know as many vacancies we have. I would, I would seriously doubt it. Yeah. Do you think, and you said that attitudes have changed um, since like last summer and do you think does that carry over into your homicide investigations as well? It does, and, and that, that starts with you know, um, and you could probably speak on it more. But um, I feel like witnesses are are more reluctant to talk to us now. It's because you know I don't know if they're still holding the grudge, um, but it's just sad. You know, people will sit there and watch someone get killed, and then not want to talk to the police because of. Maybe it's because of their idea of retaliatory snitches get snitches, blah blah blah. But um, you know, in my in my heart, I feel like it's because they're still holding grudges and they just don't want to deal with the police. No, have you seen? Am the... I la- go ahead. Am I allowed to cur- am I allowed to curse on here? Or is sure. That frowned upon. <laughs> no, go okay. Ahead. I just, are you going to bleep it out? Nope. Okay, good. I was just curious. <laughs> Is there any racial component that you've noticed? Did you have any issues in either any of the units you've been in with the Richmond Police Department, be it homicide or patrol or anything like that? Was that ever yeah, a factor? For sure. I mean... How so? You know, I have... I used to... When I was working Gilpin Court, I would keep my hair just about shaved down to the skin, and I'm covered in tattoos. And, you know, tattoos have come a long way as far as being socially acceptable but back in 2008 you know you didn't see a lot of cops that were fully sleeved and um i think maybe some people got the wrong vibe when they'd see me with a a skinhead and um tattoos all over my body and luckily that's not the case though and would they make assumptions would they would they mention it to you oh yeah they call me skinhead nazi and all that kind of stuff and then how would you react to that Usually just laugh, but um, 
you know, I think once um, once the laughing's over, just like we talked about earlier, you kind of show them that dignity and respect, and they see you showing other people that respect and realize that, hey, that's not the case. And the good thing about you know being out there every single day is they get to see you every single day. So they see you treat the same people mm-hmm. with the respect you treated them, and even if you talked about where we're chasing people down and fighting them, we still treat them with respect, pick them up, dust them off, and um, keep it moving. And did you see attitudes change the more work you put in? Absolutely. I think they just realized that, you know, we're we're there and we're not going anywhere. And it's just kind of, I don't know if if they kind of saw it as a – a necessary evil or what, but they knew we were going to be there and they knew we weren't leaving. So they might as well get away or get along with us. Kind of piggybacking on that. Why do you think that race is so hard to talk about? Um, I think just in today's culture, people are so scared of being called a racist or being, canceled or whatever it is but yeah i mean people to this day still i think it's funny when people call black people african-americans or you know you just people people are scared to say black people are scared to say white i don't i don't understand you know i'm married to a black woman so i don't i don't understand what the what the fear and just if, if a person's the color of their skin is brown or black, that, you know, that's what you call them. And I've talked to a lot of black police officers as well, talking about African-American and whether <clears throat> they want to be called African-American or black. And I think you should call somebody whatever they want to be called. But most true, of the true. black police officers I've spoken with say, no, I want to be called black. Right. And you also see, like in kind of newspaper articles, they the the author goes out of their way to say African-American maybe 10 or 15 times, and then in the same paragraph, they'll say black and then go back to African-American. Yeah, they're just not consistent. And, you know, nobody nobody calls me Italian-American or Irish-American, so that could offend me. <laughs> and what, is, what does your wife think about the difference between black and African-American? Does she care one way or another, or what is she? does she have an opinion on it? Yeah, she's on the same page. She's doing an... She's actually doing a Zoom right now. Otherwise, I'd call her in here. But, um, yeah, no, she likes to be called black. And that's what she is. That's, that's, there's a black culture. Whether her skin is medium brown or light brown, you, it's, it's about the culture. And the culture is black. She, she didn't come from Africa. Well, her mother didn't come from Africa. Their grandmother didn't come from Africa. Maybe generations and generations ago they did. But they're all from Americans, so... Or America, so they're black. And do you guys ever talk about race, you and your wife, or does it just not come up? No, we do, and it's mainly, um, mainly with um, about my daughter. My daughter's biracial, um, so you know I've had conversations with my daughter's mother and um, and Sierra about you know what's you know sometimes that can be. Uh, that can kind of be a battle in its own with, um, you know, as far as trying to fit into certain groups, I'm not saying that, you know, black people should be with black people, white people should be with white people, 
but a lot of times you see that that kind of that, that's kind of the way it is mm-hmm. and when when you're when you're when you're biracial sometimes you're a little too light to be black and a little bit too brown to be white so Put you um, know, puts them in a tough spot yeah it does you want to talk about my dog <laughs> sure is your dog black or white or what do you call your dog? Well, he's he's actually golden. Oh, he's golden. So what? <laughs> you know, I I have obsessions with gold. I know you do, and it's just so people. If some if nobody has ever seen Darnell, then you have no idea the obsession this man has with gold. <laughs> <laughs> and so, have you ever seen Goodfellas? Goodfellas got nothing on Darnell. Forget nothing. About it. Forget about it. Nothing. So, so Sierra. She was the one that wanted to get our dog, and she—I—I I, I don't even like saying it, but we have a golden doodle. And I've got a golden doodle. It's okay. You can do, come out. Do you? you? can come out of the closet and say, "I've got oh, a golden finally. doodle." Is yours a female? Yes. Are you ready to make some money? Uh, why? Because <laughs> I have a male. Uh, she's neutered, so <laughs> that would just be you for fun. Idiot. It would just be fr- nobody buys doodles anymore. Nobody buys golden they're, doodles. They're they're. I think they're called spade. When the female gets fixed, it's called spade. I don't I don't know what it is, but nobody's buying them. Neuters for males. They moved on. It's a new it's a new generation really? of dog. Golden doodles are are yesterday. Kind of like gold thinking. jewelry, but I guess you haven't let go of that yet either. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So, so oh, hey, go. I want to clear the air on something else real quick. All right, here we um, go. Stand by, everybody. Darnell wants to clear the so, air. No, I just want to clear the air. Yeah. So you used to have a nickname for me. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember. I did? Yeah. What was it? You used to call me Juicy. Oh! And... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think you're still juicy. Well, for all these years, I've been wondering if it was because I always had the juicy gossip, <laughs> or if it's you were, you know, and I you do. Detective. Okay, okay, that's what it is. So it's not about my, it's not about my weight gain at all. No, no. Have you gained weight? I haven't seen you. No, not at all. I'm actually at the lowest weight of my life right now. I'm, um, yeah, I'm doing really good. Good. I, you know what? I totally forgot. That you are my main source of gossip around the police department, and I gotta say, I'd say seventy five percent accurate. There were some uh, discrepancies in there. I don't know if they were yeah, your fault course. or they weren't your fault. Now, I don't know. Most of them were third, fourth parties. They so were, so you gotta you gotta take it with a grain of salt. So look, right, what do right. you think? Uh, what do you see the Richmond Police Department going? Because they got some problems going on. They've got some. They got a lot of people leaving. Um, what do you think? Do you think yeah. how how do they make a comeback? Do you think? Oh, man, you know I always try to stay positive on, sure. on a serious note and um, think that you know things will fix itself and things will eventually come around. Um, but but with this, I, I just I don't know when or or how because in the past, you know, whenever we've had a problem, it's either been with pay. It's been with morale. It's been with leadership, or one of the other. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's with everything. Yeah. And you know, in the past, when we did have those issues, we always saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Like it, you know, it's going to get better. They're mm-hmm. they're they're trying. Right now, there's no light. 
and nobody it doesn't seem like at least anyone's trying so it's kind of a scary situation and like i said you know i i have five years till i'm eligible so i'm blessed in that factor and um i definitely don't want to deter people from joining the richmond police department because we need everyone but man i feel i feel bad for the younger officers right now yeah i do too and i really i really enjoyed working for the richmond police department the years i worked i think it's one of the best or not the best departments to work for especially the urban departments Mm -hmm. absolutely you know i started when i was um i was 20 years old when i started so i was i was the baby of my academy class and i actually turned 21 a month before we graduated (laughs) and look at you now and look at me now (laughs) look at you now all right, Darnell, man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You're gonna we're gonna have you back, right? You're gonna give us maybe get maybe, you know what? I'll tell you what, Darnell. Why don't you gather up some more juicy gossip and then the okay, next episode we'll do an entire entire episode I just on gossip. Just on gossip. How's that? You wanna do I that? Love, I love it. I love it. So just you call my agent and we'll set it up. Yeah, man, start writing stuff down, then we'll be good. All right, Darnell. Enjoy hey man, enjoy right, your man. flight out of uh off your front porch. And uh, and good luck, <laughs> good luck breeding. All right, LAX, and good luck breeding your um your spade golden doodle. Cash money millionaire. Cash money, baby. I'll talk to you later. I'm out. Peace. <laughs> Bye. That's it, guys. So, what'd you think of Darnell, aka Detective Juicy? Like most cops and detectives I know, Darnell's got a wicked sense of humor, but true compassion for the people he serves. And like a lot of Richmond cops. He's got real concerns about the direction that the police department is going and how to turn the ship around. What has a lot of cops scratching their heads is that the issues plaguing the department aren't, with very few exceptions, being reported by the local media. And when they are reported, the news cycle is such that within a day or two, the issue gets lost to other news stories. The fact is that when a police department loses officers, The city suffers because crime rises, and the communities who need the police the most suffer the most when crime does rise. And when officers are told by their leaders that attrition is not a problem, when they see cops on their platoons leaving, how are those officers supposed to trust in their leaders? We all need to come together and figure out a solution to the rising violent crime in the city that we love. Unity makes a community. Take care of each other, and thanks for listening.